Welcome to the Dharma Spring. Ah, so good evening once again. And welcome once again. So realizing the way the title or the theme of our retreat sometimes it, well it is nice when it shows up early <laughs> sometimes retreat titles or themes they just don't materialize maybe till even after the retreat um, but this one showed up and it made sense for an inaugural retreat uh, realizing the way connecting with something that has been woven into this tradition from the beginning. How do we realize the way? What is it to realize? What is the way? And to explore that. Um, those questions come up again and again over the, the course of this tradition, over the centuries, people asking, well, what is this? What's the essence of it? And so, I'll be taking up a few things that have come to meet me since uh, that title came about and as I've been thinking on it. Bring up some of the traditional things that have been offered and explore what they mean for us here. What's, um, what is it here? And how is it woven with what was before, but also fresh and alive right here for each of us. Um, so tonight, I'll bring in a koan. It's actually part of a, a three-part koan, but just bring in this one part where somebody asked a teacher, what is the way? And the teacher replied, a clear-sighted person falls into a well. And that's the complete response. What is the way? A clear-sighted person falls into a well. And that seemed, well, it seems appropriate for retreats in general. <laughs> it's, you know, we have these forms we follow, we make plans, we make preparations, and we kind of have this idea of what the retreat's going to be based on that structure. But then when you get to the retreat, you just fall into the well, then you find out, well, well what is it? Yeah. Or maybe even individually, we have an idea. Maybe we've been to other retreats and had experiences, or maybe it's just the first retreat and we've we have ideas about what's going to happen for us and what a retreat is about and what's possible. Maybe we've heard others' stories and so we come with expectations and hopes, intentions. But then we fall into the well of the retreat and then we find out what actually happens. <laughs> and then again, for this particular retreat, being an inaugural retreat, it very much feels like that. A combination of both of those where 
intentions are set, plans are made, instructions are followed. Then you're having dinner and the lights go out. <laughs> and we fall into that well. <laughs> and you just, oh, okay, so this is what it means. And we go with it from there. Yeah. <clears throat> but also, you know, looking outside of the retreat format, just in general, looking at this, this koan and this response and this question, but mainly the response. Um, I'm breaking it down and noticing like more questions come out of just looking at that response. <clears throat> the first being, well, what is a clear-sighted person? Yeah? Or who is that clear-sighted person that falls down the well? So what is that clear-sighted person? Who is that? And the essential meaning of it or maybe the traditional expression of it would be an enlightened being, an awakened being. That's what a clear-sighted person is. Yet we have this person falling down a well. So what's up with that? <laughs> um, so in one respect it could be if I'm looking at somebody I'm like, oh, that person seems to be awake, enlightened, but then I see them fall down a well. I go, oh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe there's something that I was adding on to this, or to that person. Um, because in my mind, if somebody's awakened, enlightened, why would they fall down a well? Why would they trip and do something like that? Have a, you know, encounter a pitfall? Wouldn't they be able to avoid that with their clear sight? and their wisdom. But I also thought about it in the in the tradition, the, in the practice. One of the sayings in Zen is, after enlightenment, 30 more years of practice. <clears throat> Which means, after enlightenment, you still have to live a life and you're going to encounter wells and those pitfalls, you're going to fall into them. That's part of the practice, working it into your practice, um, into your life, infusing things, integrating the enlightenment experience into the daily doings of your world. So whether it's just a glimpse of an awakening that you have, or of a long gaze and something seems to shift, You still have to do the work of getting back into the world and, and working it into the soil and falling into the wells that naturally appear in our lives. You can't avoid those. Um, and awakening doesn't make them disappear. Yeah. So then also, <clears throat> what about those experiences we have where we have that insight and that shifting and maybe we hold on to it and there's that person who's like drifting in the clouds, 
kind of removed from things, staying up on the mountaintop, to use another traditional phrase, kind of thinking, okay, I'm transcending things, I'm removed from them. I've clarified something, and they hold that awakening as something special or, again, transcendent of life. And I've seen that person walking around with their heads in the cloud or eyes cast upwards, and of course they fall into a well. They're not even looking at the ground anymore. So the practice has a way of, you know, even if you're engaging in that, you fall down the well, fortunately, and the stink of enlightenment can be knocked out of you. <laughs> Falling and tumbling into the dark. <laughs> hmm. And then the last of this series of wondering who that person is and even what this falling is, is that realization of, I don't want to avoid these wells. That's where the richness is. The enlightenment, the awakening, well, that's enjoyable and that's pleasant, but it doesn't keep me engaged in life. So actually, maybe this clear-sighted person is Ooh, look, a well. I'm going to go fall in it. Fortunately, I have the opportunity to go jump in there and see what's in there. Don't need to avoid it. To enjoy and celebrate and take advantage of the opportunity of what life presents in every moment, whatever arises, a hole in the ground or you know, the stars in the sky, just to meet it and engage with it without spinning a story on top of it or making it into anything other than what it needs to be or what it already is and then falling into it. Whether it's, again, the hole in the ground or falling into the stars in the sky or the rain or the clouds. So then I was curious about, well, what is it to fall? What is this falling aspect? Especially if it's a well. I mean, those are, you can see those coming, usually. <laughs> and how do you end up falling into it? Maybe it isn't the usual scene of it. You're, you're walking along and then, surprise, there's a well. You trip, ah, and you fall. That's one way. Or maybe that well is there and you're determined you're going to run and jump over it. You say, oh, I see it coming, but I know how to get around this or over it and I can do it. And on the way you hit a, uh, a stump or a root sticking out of the ground that catches your foot and then you trip and you fall right into the well. <laughs> um, things we think we can avoid or get around or things that pop up by surprise and they catch us and we fall into them. But even if we have us, our sights on the well or the thing that's arising and we're trying to avoid it, sometimes it just has its own gravity and despite our efforts, draws us to it and we end up falling in 
despite all of our best efforts not to. Like just by recognizing it, we have a relationship with it and it draws us in somehow. I've seen videos on Facebook and things like that where you see somebody, they're trying to avoid something, but somehow they just automatically go to it. So maybe the well has its own gravity of something it's offering to us and we just can't help but fall even if we clearly think we're walking in the other direction. And even the falling, I think, takes place regardless if we actually fall into it or not. Just to be aware of it and just to have an idea about what the well is, in a way, is already falling into it. Our avoiding of it is falling into it, even if we stay far from it because we have a relationship with it. Hmm. So it seems the falling can't be avoided, whether it's directly or even just in relationship to the existence of the well and myself. There's already a connection and a falling that's happening. something to be noticed there. So the last thing I began to be curious about with this phrase is, well, what is the well? Yeah? You're looking into a well, it's dark. You can only see so far, then you don't know what's down there. The only way to know what the well is, is to fall into it. You can have ideas about it. Again, ideas that it should be avoided, or maybe that one clear-eyed person who's like, oh, I've fallen into wells before, and something good has happened, so I'm going to go jump in this one. Still, you don't know what that particular well is until you fall fall into the darkness of it and see what awaits. You might splash when you get to the bottom. Or maybe you'll thunk into the mud. Who knows how narrow it is. If it gets wider as it goes down or it gets more narrow, you'll bump against the walls of the well. And it could be a dry well sometimes that you fall down and just smack into the ground. But you don't know what the well is, again, until you fall into it. Each well is its own thing. It's like I said, this retreat thing is like falling into that. You don't know what this retreat is until you fall into it. And then it reveals itself to you. And it seems worth it to do that falling. To explore and, and see. And find out what is that unknown thing that is dark and mysterious that I can't see. Hmm. So another story I know from somewhere 
and that I'm adding to and embellishing somewhat <laughs> as I've considered this. Uh, it, it arose as well. And it has nothing to do with wells. It's more about potholes, which are wells in their own way. Holes in the ground. And I see a parallel with this clear-sighted person working with these potholes and um, working with a well and the path or the practice of realizing the way, the parallels with this story and, and, and that. Um, those happenings, parts of the practice. So it's this person who must make their way every night down this particular road. There's no other roads. And there's just this one road that leads to where they need to be. There's no street lights. There's never a moon for some reason. So whenever they're walking down this road, it's always dark. And as they walk, they encounter a pothole and twist an ankle. Or trip and fall onto their face. Get up, dust themselves off, limp away, bandage as they need to. But it keeps happening. They keep traveling this road and hitting that pothole. Over time, they begin to see, okay, I can begin to navigate. And I'm, I can't see, but I'm, I'm guessing that the pothole's there, so I'm going to choose a different direction. And they still find it. It finds them. Maybe it's the other leg this time. I'm going in the other direction. Well, now you've hurt the other side of yourself. This pothole just kept, kept happening. To find them. They finding it. <laughs> Still, over time, they got better at negotiating their way around it. But never completely made it through. So one day, they actually had the idea of, I'm going to go back in the daytime to this road and, and find out where the pothole is and do something about it. So they go back and realize, oh, there's multiple potholes. No wonder I couldn't avoid it. It wasn't an it. There were so many. And they kind of, they start mapping in their mind, okay, this is how I need to walk. They get a clearer vision of it and Night comes, they have to travel the road, and they're a little more successful, maybe just stepping on the edge in a slight twist of the ankle, but no longer falling. But still anxious and not, not an enjoyable thing to do, knowing that, well, what if a new one appears, or what if I forget the way and I fall and get injured again? So they go back again in the light and patch up the potholes, fill them in, take the time to smooth them over, fix the road, which they could only do in the daylight, make sure they got all the potholes. And they took care of them. So they traveled for days after that in the dark with no more worries, no more concerns. Smooth and easy going. 
that's kind of where the traditional story ends. And so I'm adding this other part on the end of that last clear-sighted person that I spoke of who likes to go and jump into the wells. So that person in this story goes back one day and breaks all the potholes open again, undoes the work of filling them in, realizing there was something being offered to me when I was tripping and stumbling, and I don't want to avoid that. They open them up so that even walking in daylight, they can close their eyes, maybe, if they're fortunate, trip and fall. <laughs> um, not seeking to be injured, but realizing there's nothing to be avoided here. Those potholes, those pitfalls, those darker places that we don't understand in the normal way, the way of looking with light, they have something to offer so we can welcome them. And to go back to that first question, that clear-sighted person is none other than you, each one of you. You are, we are, each of us, a clear-sighted person, an awakened being. Journeying along. through a landscape of wells and potholes and also, again, the stars in the sky, the frogs. I saw a frog out there. It was great. My wife and I were out a few days ago in the woods and we could hear these frogs, but we could never see them. So I was glad to see a frog, <laughs> but a frog that I didn't want to step on and I didn't. So that's good. Um, narrowly avoided. So potholes and wells and frogs and starry skies and retreats with bells and clacks and things carrying us along. Um, each of us with our clear sight get to be carried along by this to this retreat and beyond and fall into it deeply. So enjoy the falling. <laughs> Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.